This is Lead Minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Well, welcome once again uh, to RSCC. If you're listening online, we welcome you. And on the podcast, we welcome you as well. We finally made it to week six of our, our final week of this series that we're calling Nobodies. And actually, next week, if you don't remember, we're going to start a series called Judges. We're going to be looking at not how to judge people. But we're going to be looking at the judges of the Bible and, and what happens to when we don't always do what God's called us to do. And, but in this series, we're kind of wrapping it up today. We, we've kind of been all over the place. We have looked at some strange and bizarre and, and weird people and, and weird stories with weird names that I can't say and I, I mess up all the time. And, and today we're finally wrapping up. But we've seen in this series over and over again that God will do something extraordinary through ordinary people. And our catchphrase of the series, if you take nothing else with you, you're like, hey, in two, two years from now when you ask, hey, what was nobody's about? This is what we'll say. When the ordinary meets the extraordinary God, extraordinary things happen. And we've seen that through all these encounters. We've seen it through, uh, you know, one of Solomon's sons, one of David's sons, Saul's sons. One of, you know, we saw it through Benaiah, one of David's mighty men. We saw it through uh, last week, a man who had leprosy. Extraordinary things happen when they meet the ordinary when the ordinary meets the extraordinary God, amazing things happen. So today we're going to wrap it up and we're going to look at a nobody who's probably the strangest and the most bizarre of all the people we're talking about in this entire series. And that person is you, right? So we, we know you're a little bizarre, you're a little weird, and we know that your life matters and you have purpose. But we're going to wrap it up and, and we've been building up to this moment. This is the one I've been waiting to get to for six weeks. And this is the one because I want everyone to hear this. I, I believe that God wants to do something extraordinary in your life and through you. He wants to do something in you and through you. I, I believe that God wants to do something extraordinary in your life. And, and you may not believe it, but God created you for a purpose. He created you for this time period in history for a reason that he has a purpose for you. And I also believe at the same time that even though God wants to do this to you, you have a spiritual enemy who's going to do everything to convince you that you are too weird, too bizarre, and God can't use you. He's going to do everything he can. So what will happen is this enemy will try to convince you, and sometimes you'll believe him, and will say things like this. Why would God want to use me? I, I, I don't know enough about the Bible. I come from the wrong background. I don't have enough you know, money. I, don't, I, I can't speak well. I don't like crowds. Like, why would God want to use me? I'm just a nobody. And to be honest, uh, on surface, when, when we think about that, if, if I was real honest, the reality is you're right. Why would God want to use you? Why would he want to use me? We are nobodies. But I said something week one of this series that we, you may have forgotten, but I, I said it in week one, and I said it for a reason because I knew we were going to come back to it, and it was this idea. You're not the hero of the Bible, but Jesus is the hero of the Bible. What that means is, yes, on our own, we are nobody, and God really can't use us. But through Jesus and what Jesus has done, and when we put our faith in Jesus and the work of the cross, God can do something extraordinary through us. 
think of it this way, right? right? That you're not the hero. You're, you're not the hero. You're just a supporting role. You're an extra, and Jesus is the hero. So imagine that you hear that a, a major movie company is coming to Cincinnati, and they're shooting a movie, and like Tom Hanks or Denzel Washington or, or Michael B. Jordan is the star of the movie. It's going to be amazing, right? And, and, they, and they say, hey, we need extras. And you're like, you know what? I, I don't live too far from Cincinnati. Like, I know the area. So you drive from Rising Sun or, or Dearborn County or Switzerland County, and you go to Cincinnati, you go through the process of becoming an extra, and you get to be an extra, right? It's the biggest mode of your life. Like, you are so happy. And, and you get to be in one scene. And in that one scene, there's about a hundred other people, but you're in the scene, and they film the scene, and you don't see it until the opening night of the movie. So you go to the movie theater, and, and you're pumped. You're like, hey, I'm going to be in this scene. You don't know what it's going to look like. And you get to the scene that you're in, and you see for two-fifths of a second, they see the back of your head. And it's your shining moment. Now, nobody's really going to be impressed. Your mom's going to be impressed because, hey, her baby was in a movie. Your spouse might be impressed because they have to be. But no one really else is ever going to see that you're actually in the movie. Now, let's take it a little step further. Imagine after seeing that movie, you go to Greendale Cinema and you're like, hey, there was a movie that was made about me. I want to rent out the theater and I want to show everybody this movie. So you invite your old classmates, you're like, hey, I'm going to show them that I'm a somebody. You invite your parents, your relatives fly in from other, other states and they go see this movie. And they go through the entire movie and you say, hey, did you enjoy that movie that was all about me? They're like, bro, we didn't even see you. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, we're like, yeah, well, in that one scene, it's like in the middle of the movie, for two-fifths of a second, you saw the back of my head. Like, the movie was about me. Everybody would think you're crazy, right? So this is kind of what happens is, is we live in this life like we're the star. Meanwhile, the, we got two-fifths of a second, and God has the whole movie. Our, our life is so short. And we only have two-fifths of a second long a scene long to live. We only have two-fifths of a second, right? So the question becomes, what am I going to do with my two-fifths of a second scene? Because that's all we got. Because God's the star. He's orchestrating the whole movie. He's orchestrating everything, and, and life happened before us, and life will happen after us. But in the middle of that movie, in the middle of the grand scheme of, of God's plan and, and the history of the world, you have two-fifths of a second long. That's all you got. You got two-fifths of a second. The question is, how do you want to live that two-fifths of a second? Do you want to live like it matters? Do you want to live with like a purpose? Do you want to live the best possible way you can? And if the answer is yes, I want to live the best two-fifths of a second long, the best way to do it is to live the life God has planned for you. I, I love what 1 Corinthians uh, says, and Paul wrote this. He says, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Paul is saying, listen, your life is the point to God. Your life is the point to Jesus. He is the star of the show. So whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, whatever job you have, if you're a parent, if you're a spouse, if you're single, if you're dating, whatever you're doing, says do it to the glory of God. Because God is the main character. God is in control. It, it's, life is all about him. And you are a supporting role. You may be an extra and you have two-fifths of a second to live this life. But what's amazing is on, on this scene, this two-fifths of a second in the history of the world, God says something. This is what he says to us. I want to take you and I want to make you a somebody in my story. And that's what the series has been about. And that's what God wants to do in your life. That God wants to do something extraordinary through you. So I, I want to end today by asking this question, and, and I think it's an important question, and maybe it, it's the main thought of what we're looking at today, but the question is this, 
What if the way you're living right now is causing you to miss what God is trying to do in, in you and through you? What if the way you're living right now is causing you to miss what God is trying to do in you and through you? What if how you spend your weekends? What if what you do behind locked doors? What if you do with the, what, what about what you do with that person you're not married to quite yet? What about your habits? What, what if your willingness, unwillingness to change? What if your unwillingness to overcome your addiction? What if the way you're living right now is causing you to miss what God is trying to do in you and through you? What if there's something in your life and you don't even realize it, but it's causing you to miss what God is trying to do in you and through you? And God's saying, listen, I want to make you a somebody. I want to do something extraordinary in your life. You just have to let me. You have to make sure I'm the, I'm the star. You're the supporting role. There's a book that we call Hebrews in the Bible, and it's a very rich theology book. We don't know the author. We don't know who, you know, like I said, who wrote it. Many scholars say Paul wrote it. But in this, this book, in chapter 12, that's kind of our main passage today, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, he writes this idea, and you've got to kind of read through the lines of what he's saying. But he's saying, hey, God has a purpose for your life, and you have to live a certain way. So here's what it says. It says, therefore, since we, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, witnesses, and what that almost means is like, it's kind of language in the Greek that have, the people in heaven are looking down on us and we're surrounded them and, and they're surrounding us. So, he's, so the author is saying, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, like amazing people, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles you, right? Let us throw off anything that hinders so, and sin, anything that's getting in the way of God using you and working in your life. And let us run. So if, if you don't like to run, he's using an analogy that life is like a race, right? So let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, the life or the movie that God has marked out for us, fixing our eyes on what? On the star, Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter, of faith. So he's kind of wrapping up everything we said. And he says this, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So all in, the, in these verses, he says, Jesus is a superstar. He says, you, make sure you're throwing off anything that's getting your way that God's trying to use you. But he starts with one word. It says, Therefore. Whenever you read the Bible and you get to a chapter and it says, therefore, you got to figure out what the therefore is. What is he talking about? So in this instance, it's pretty simple. What comes before 12? 11. So he's referring back to chapter 11. What happens in Hebrews chapter 11? Well, it's considered the hall of fame of faith, the faith hall of fame. And they list out all these people. Essentially, they list out all these nobodies before God met him. And none of these people were perfect people. They're actually far from perfect. We have Noah. Noah was a drunk. We have Abraham. Abraham was a liar. We got David. David was a murderer. We got a guy who was really strong and had some big muscles and long hair named Samson. And he had all kinds of issues, most of which rooted back to loving women. The wrong women, right? Uh, we, we got David who, like I said, was a murderer and adulterer. We had Gideon and he, he was fearful. There's the, the name Rahab is in there and she was a prostitute. 
And, and the author is like, hey, these are the people in the faith hall of fame. What he's saying is, listen, nobody is perfect. They're far from it, but God still used them. So what he's saying in these verses, he says, use them as an example to throw off anything that's getting your way from God using you. That's what I really want to look at, that word throw off get rid of. And again, it goes to that analogy of running. And you, none of you, if you do run, you don't put oxygen tanks on your back and run a race, right? You, you probably need some oxygen to put on your back, but you don't carry it. That's why you go to cross-country meet like Nate Elliott. They got the real, real short shorts and a really like skinny tank top, right? They want to wear as little as possible that they can get away with so they can run faster. So the author is saying, listen, life is long, but it's also short at the same time. It's like, and it's like a race. And you wanna, you wanna look at Jesus as the perfecter of this race. He's the star, you wanna follow his example. So you wanna run the race as best as you can. You wanna get away from anything that's gonna get in your way of completing the race. So he says, throw off anything that gets in your way and any sin that entangles you. So you can what? So you can run with endurance the race set before you. So you can run the race the way God has planned for you. So your life isn't, you're not living your life in such a way that you're missing what God is trying to do in you and through you. That's what Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 is all about. So what I want to do is I want to look at three areas of our lives that I see over and over again. It, from my life, from experience, from what I've seen, from what I read in the Bible, that keep us from living the life God has planned, but most importantly, keep us from living the life that God has called us to. So the first one is this, our own insecurities. Insecurity is one of those weird things. All of us have them, but we, often, we rarely don't talk about them, Right? And if you grew up with social media, man, I, I feel bad for you. If you, all you've ever known in your life is social media, it, I feel bad because there was a time before social media that we didn't compare our, ourselves to everybody else, but now we do, right? And, and, and we don't talk about them, but all of us have some type of insecurities. And, and I would say uh, this is the one that I see from my perspective and my job where pe that keep people from, from stepping into what God really wants to s call them to. And whether it's serving or doing something for God, insecurities often stop them. And again, we don't talk about them, but here, here's kind of this process that happens. So many people, we, we get this feeling and this, this pulling and urging that God's trying to call us to do something or calling us to be faithful in an area of our lives. And we want to take our step, but as soon as we start thinking about taking that step, something happens in our life. I, I call it this, our insecurity resume pops up. All the reasons why you can't do it. Not smart enough. In your eyes, not good enough looking. Not talented enough. Don't know your Bible. You're like, I, I barely can pray out loud, right? I don't even know what amen means. Like, do I have to say that every time? Not from, you know, no, not enough education. They don't have enough money, right? And, and your insecurity resume pops up and you're like, there's no way, no, no way that God can use me. There's no way. So we know God's calling us to do something, and we see like he can use people like, you know, in, the, in Hebrews 11, but he can't use me. Like, I, I'm just a nobody. Like, I, I got nothing special. And that's where we mess up. Because I, if you miss, if you, you know, if this is you, I, I want you to hear this and not miss this, that God uses the insecure. 
that God uses the insecure all the time. Throughout Scripture, he uses the insecure over and over and over and over and over again. And here's what's amazing about God. And this is where Christianity and Christians get this wrong all the time. God doesn't care where you're coming from. He cares where you're going. Doesn't necessarily care about your past. You know, you got to deal with your sin and their consequences. But God is far more concerned about who you're becoming than who you were. Uh, you know, so at the church, we have to adopt this idea. And if anybody's ever told you anything opposite of that here, that's not what leadership believes and that's not what I believe. Listen, we believe... We don't care what past you have. We don't care about your last name. We don't care about your bank account. We don't care about your education level. Those, you know, we don't care about how many mistakes you made. We don't care about your sin because we've all sinned and fallen short. All we care about is who you're becoming. And why we care about that is because we believe God wants to do something extraordinary in your life. Why? Because God shows us over and over and over and over again that he wants to do that. We don't care where you're coming from. We care, we care where you're going. But even when we say that, insecurities pop up. And in those moments of insecurity, we have to think something that's really helped me over and over in my life. I have to say a phrase like this. Maybe the one who created me knows more than me. Maybe the one who created me just happens to know just a little bit more about me than I know about myself. What's funny or interesting is actually, if you go to this book in the, the beginning of the Bible called Exodus, there, there's, this, there's this man who God wants to use. And, and kind of what's going on in the book of Exodus is God's people, the Israelites, they found themselves slaves in Egypt. And he wants to finally fulfill his promise that he made through a man named Abraham. He says, I'm going to bless you. And it's, it's time to rescue those people. And they're going to go from Egypt. They're going to go in from the, uh, into the wilderness. And they're going to go to the promised land eventually. So he has to use a vessel. He, he, he chooses to use a person to do that. And this person is a nobody. And his name is Moses. And God comes in the form of a burning bush and talks to Moses. And he basically tells Moses, hey, here's the deal. Your people are my people, your relatives, your ancestors, they're slaves. No longer is this going to happen. I'm going to use you to rescue them. No longer, no, no longer are they going to be slaves. I'm going to use you to rescue them. That's the big point. And Moses doesn't say, well, that's awesome. He doesn't say, well, that's awesome. He says, Ah, uh, hold up, God. Well, actually, this is exactly what he says. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. And even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. He's like, God, hey, I, I don't know if you know this, but, like, I got a stuttering problem. Like, I, my specialty is not talking in front of people. Like, you just can't use me. And I think so many of us get in the way. So many of us get in the way of God using us. Like, because we have these insecurities. Like, I think back to college when Whitney and I first started dating. And not God trying to use me, but it's an illustration. We started dating and I was a pain in the butt. And I bet you seven years later, I'm still a pain. Or nine years later, I'm still a pain in the butt. But we started dating and as many as you can imagine... I was not really emotional, so I never showed feelings. I never really talked about how I felt. I never even said really what was on my mind, right? I just kind of was there and like, hey, let's see how this thing goes. If it works out, awesome. If not, there's other fish in the sea, I guess, right? That was my mindset then. Wrong mindset, right? So 
it, it caused some issues in our relationship. And I remember Whitney coming up to me in the middle of the relationship a couple months in. He's like, hey, listen, like, basically, you got to have some emotion and you got to have some feeling. You got to talk to me. And what I heard her saying was like, hey, Nathan, you're so awesome. You're so handsome. You're so funny. You're so good looking. I don't want to miss this life with you. So you got to let me in. I don't know if that really happened, but that was my story. So I'm sticking to that. But what she was saying to me was, dude, you got to let me love you. If, you, if this is going to work, you got to let me in. God's trying to use Moses right here. He's not letting God in. Some of us, we, we just got to allow God to work in our lives. Because listen to what God says. This is his answer. And I love it. it, it it's, it's funny. He goes, then the Lord asked Moses, hey, Moses, question for you, man. Who makes a person's mouth? He's like, hey, you know, who, who created a person with a mouth? He's like, who decides whether people speak or do not speak? That they hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? He's like, Moses, listen, dude. You think you have a stuttering problem? Yeah, I know. I created you. I created you. I created all people within, with all problems. I created the people who think they have all these insecurities. But I'm not concerned about them. And then he goes on. And this is kind of what we learn. He says, and God said, listen, dude. I'll be with you. And this will be the sign to you that, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I will be with you. Moses, God says, you're not the star. It's not about you. You're the vessel. I'm the victor. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you the whole time. So what God is trying to do is say, Moses, listen, I know you got these issues. And he says the same things to us. I know that you have these insecurities. I know you feel this way. I know this makes you feel that way. God's like, but if I called you to it, I'm going to see you through it. And I'll be with you. It's about me. So to get Moses' self-esteem up, he doesn't say, Moses, walk up to that water over there. Look at the water. Use your reflection. Repeat after me. I, Moses, am a bad man. Right? He doesn't say that. Right? He's like, I'm the toughest guy in the world. I can do this. He's like, no, Moses, remember who I am. Remember, I created you. And what we really see here is that more self-esteem doesn't come from a higher view of ourselves but a clear view of God. Moses didn't need more self-esteem. He needed more awareness that God was working in his life. You probably don't need more self-esteem. You need the awareness that God wants to work in your life. That's what we need. We need that awareness. God says, I want to do so much in your life. I want to do something extraordinary. And then we respond, well, God, you know, I'm not, I'm not smart enough. And he goes, I am. He goes, God, I'm not skilled enough. He goes, I got you. I got, I got you. I'll carry you. I don't need a victor. I need a vessel. I need someone who's willing to step out when I say walk, willing to go when I say go. And I guarantee you that moment you step out and do what God is calling you to do, God will far exceed any insecurity you may have. Don't let insecurities get in the way. And then the second one kind of can go with insecurities. But the second area of our lives that we get caught up on it is we get, we get held up on our past. Our past over and over again. And again, you can, set, you can use this in insecurities and it kind of goes hand in hand. But so many times our past keeps us from moving forward. 
We're prisoners to our past. And when we think about our past, one word often comes to mind, and it's the word guilt, right? Guilt comes up with our past. We feel guilty about what we've done. And really, the whole premise of the, the gospel is that we are guilty, and Christ covers that guilt with his sacrifice, right? But guilt is such a powerful feeling. We feel guilty for doing something. We feel guilty for cheating. We feel guilty for a sin. We feel guilty for an addiction. We feel guilty for the way we parented. We feel guilty for the way we treated our parents. We have this guilt. And this guilt keeps us in the past. And it just kind of imprisons us. It's like a prison without any walls. And it just kind of, we carry it around us. But here's what's interesting about the past. I started thinking about this week. When someone around us is living in the past, it looks really foolish, doesn't it? Right? You, you know when you see that guy in his 30s who wears that letterman jacket and talks about all his high school accomplishments. You're like, dude, you look like a fool. It's time to move on. It's 2021 and you can't even run half a mile anymore. Take off the letterman jacket, right? Or when you go into an open gym and this dude in his 30s rolls up with like shoes he wore in college, right? That, was, that actually happened to me a couple weeks ago. I didn't know I was the old guy, but I'm the old guy now, right? So you're like, you're like get a grip, dude. You're like, those shoes are so old. And that's the first thing the kids notice, right? Or, you know, a, a person who always dresses or, or, you know, wears their hair like, you know, the song 1985 from Bowling for Soup, right? You're like, get a grip. Get a grip. Like, step into the world, you know, step into the day. And what happens is, I think God looks at you the same way and me the same way. He's like, hey, get a grip, man. Get past your past. I got so much more planned for you. But you're you're prisoner of your past. So, so let's think about this question. What in your past are you still carrying, carrying that you don't need to carry? What in your past are you still carrying that you don't need to carry? Is it that you were, you know, you were married before? You did something in that past marriage that, that really led to the divorce. Is it something that you did when you were in college or, or high school and that how you treated the opposite sex? Is it that you had an addiction and really it ruined many things in your life and, and you're lucky just to be here, but you can't overcome that? Maybe your temper has caused so much issues. Or, or maybe you had parents growing up and the way they would talk to you about the way you dressed or your grades or your accomplishments led to you feeling such a way that you felt like you're never going to be good enough. Maybe while you were a teenager or a kid that you did something to your parents that was just, man, you wish you didn't do. And still to this day, it, it's damaging your relationship. What in your past are you still carrying that you don't need to carry. I want you to think about that. And then I want you to think about it in light of what we read in 2 Corinthians. One of my favorite verses. Therefore. Again, therefore, we got to go back to what is he talking about. In this instance, we're not talking about it. But go back home and read it, right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is in what? Is in Christ, the new creation has come. And the old has gone. So what is, if something is new, it's no longer something that's in the past. It is new. You don't have to live in the past. The old has gone and the new is here. This says that it doesn't matter what your past is. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter what your last name is. doesn't matter. The, the biggest sin in your life does not matter. If anyone is in Christ, and this is the, this is the catcher here. Anyone in Christ... Anyone who has put their faith in Jesus, anyone who has repented their sins, anybody who has made Jesus Lord of their life, anybody, is what? A new person. No longer do you have to live in the past. 
Paul's words right there that through Jesus and what Jesus has done, he overcomes our past. You don't have to let your past rule your future. You don't have to let your past get in the way of what God is trying to do in your present. And then the final area of our lives that is no fun to talk about, but we're going to talk about it anyways, right? It's the number one area, our sin. I don't know all of your lives. I don't know all your stories. But I know this. We are similar in one way. If you want a surefire way God will, can never use you, let your sin dominate your life. If there's one thing, one area in our lives that, that we miss over and over again that, that doesn't allow God to work, it's, it's the sin in our life. Because sin pushes us further and further and further and further and further and further from God. Because God knows no sin, right? So if we continue to sin and let sin dominate, we're going to get further and further from God. And I know it's 2021 and we live in a woke and, and a cancel culture. So I can't tell you what sin is and what sin isn't. And I can't tell you what is right and what is wrong. And you know what? I can't, but the Bible can. And God says truth is truth. And just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's true, not true. And it talks about sin over and over again. How sin damages us. It enslaves us. It lies to us. It changes us. It, it convinces us something is right when it's wrong. And that sin is very real. And why sin is so dangerous to your life is sin sends you us in the opposite direction of God. It sends us in the opposite direction. Because God doesn't know sin. So the more we let sin dominate and, and go unrepentant and, and just kind of dominate and rule our lives, the further and further we're going to get from God. And your biggest regrets in your life have been made, I guarantee you, when your relationship with God was the worst and you're further, the furthest from God. Sin sends us in the opposite direction of God. And the further you get from God, the less you can live the, the life that He has planned for you. The less you, He can work in you and through you. If we go back to Hebrews real quick, it, it says that something, right? It says, let us throw off everything that hinders. And that What? The sin that so easily, easily entangles us. The author's like, listen, you're running this life and how you run is so important. Again, he's like, we already talked about throwing off the weight. But let's talk about something that's so easy, easy to get entangled in. He goes, that's sin. And it's hard to run with endurance when sin is dominating. And what I think happens is kind of what we see on the trend um, as you go on Twitter or you go on Instagram and you go on Facebook or you go on TikTok now. And I, and I look at people who graduated college with me and we look at the culture and, you know, we're, we're not to judge but we're to observe and we're to speak truth and look at it. And what I see happening is very, very dangerous and something that's worrisome. And I think maybe you struggle with it and maybe I struggle with it. But what we do is we look at the teachings of Jesus and read the Bible, and we say, well, I like this, I'm going to keep that, and I like this, I'm going to keep that, and hey, I really like this, I'm going to keep that. No, I don't like what he says on homosexuality, I don't like what he says on abortion, I don't like what he says on loving people who don't look like me, act like me, vote like me. He's like, I'm, not, I'm going to throw that away, right? We kind of pick and choose what we're going to keep and what we're going to take, and then we kind of create our own Jesus and say, well, this is the Jesus that I love, right? And what we do is we think Jesus, following Jesus is like going to the Golden Corral, right? Now, if you go to the Golden Corral, 
Nothing wrong with you. Not my cup of tea. Everybody else touching food. I don't like that. But what do you do at Golden Corral? Some of us, we go up, you know, hey, there's chicken. We get some chicken, macaroni. Uh, I don't want any green beans. I, I, want some, I like some pizza. I take the pizza. No, I don't want any of that. I don't want any of that. And you pick what you want. You go back to your seat and you're like, this is the meal I'm going to eat. The person across from you, they're going to have a, their plate and they're going to have opposite food than you. And that's what we do with following Jesus. Like, I take this, I take that, I take that. So we start just picking and plugging, and then that's why homosexuality becomes so relevant. That's why abortion becomes so relevant, and it's why, you know, half the world will say, hey, those things are okay, right? We start to see things like that, because what have we started to do? We've started to embrace and allow sin, and that's the reality, and that's what we see. And the longer we, or the more we accept and allow sin, the further we get from what God is trying to do in our lives. Why? Because sin sends us in the opposite direction of God. Why? Because God doesn't know any sin. So the author of Hebrews is saying, listen, let go of the sins that entangle you. And it's not imper- it's, and we're not looking for perfection because all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the Romans says. All of us have sinned. But what we have to do is we can't uh, accept and allow sin in our lives. That's what we cannot do. And the more we accept and allow sin, the further we get from what God is trying to do in our lives. And if you want God to work in extraordinary ways, you can't let sin dominate. Now, again, we're not looking for perfection. What we're really looking for, I I think, is three things. And and what, what, what we're to do with our sin is three things. We're to name it. We're to say, this is what I struggle with. We're to confess it or, or repent it. Say, God, this is what I need to confess to you that is getting in my way. And then we need to run from it. Name it, confess it, run from it. There's a man who lived in Washington in 1980 named Harry Truman. Not the president. Harry Truman lived in, in um, Washington State in 1980. And he lived on the base or the foot of Mount St. Helens. So this was before my time. I, I didn't know about Mount St. Helens. I read about it in the history books. But in 1980, the experts predicted that this volcano was going to explode. That was in Washington. And this man, Harry, Henry Truman, lived at the base uh, of the, mount, the volcano. And every expert said, hey, dude, your house is right in the path of the volcano. If it erupts, you're going to die. They said, you need to move. It's going to erupt. It's just a matter of time. His, his parents pleaded with him. His family pleaded with him. The government, city officials pleaded with him. But he would not leave. So on May 18th, 1980, Mount St. Helen erupted. The path of destruction went right where this, through where this man lived. And he died. Because he refused to move. Right now, in some of our lives, we're living at the foot of the volcano with our sin. And destruction's coming. It's coming. And if we don't change, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Destruction's going to come. Chaos is going to appear in your life, in your relationships, in your family, because the unaddressed sin always causes chaos. But there's hope that sin doesn't have to win. There's hope that you can run with endurance but you got to get away from the sin. You got to name it. You got to confess it. And then you got to run from it. So I want to end with one question in, in this series, I guess. What does God want to do through you? What does God want to do through you? 
I don't know that answer, but I do know this for sure. There's one, there's one fact. You have to step out to find out. What does God want to do in, in your life? I don't know. Step out and find out. How do you step out? Step out of your insecurities. Step out of your past. Step out of your sin. And then you can start finding out what God wants to do in your life. Moses had to take the step to go to Egypt. David had to take the step to go into a battlefield against a giant. Paul had to take the step of no longer killing Christians and step into the life that God has called him to to spread the church. What does God want to do in your life? I have no idea. Maybe it's serve. Maybe it's serve here at church. We need people to help all the time. Maybe it's to be baptized. Maybe it's to tell someone about your faith. Maybe it's to change careers that you know God's calling you to. Maybe it's time to marry that person you've been dating for a long time and start living a God-honoring relationship. I don't know what the next step is. I don't know what he wants to do in you and through you. But you have to step out to find out. And on that way of stepping out, you're going to be insecure at times. You're going to, your past is going to want to hold you and imprison you. Your sin is going to, you're going to sin. But you just have to remember, when the ordinary meets the extraordinary, extraordinary things happen. So today, we want to give you an opportunity to step out. And maybe if you're listening for the first time or you're here for the first time, you haven't made that step to ultimately make that step to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to, to be baptized, to, to confess that he is Lord so you can start living that life he has called you to. If you want to make that decision today, if you're listening on podcasts or on video, we would love to hear from you. If you're in the building and want to make that decision, we would love to talk to you. But I also know this, that many of us at church, we don't want to come up front and talk. We don't want to go back and talk. We want to talk maybe some, some other time throughout the week. I'm going to give you my email address, nathan.rsec at gmail.com. And I would love to have everybody email me about maybe what they think God is calling them to do. Maybe about the next step that they need to do. Or maybe about making the decision to finally be baptized and give my, your life to Jesus. I would love to talk to you. Nathan.rsec at gmail.com. Email me this week. But most of all, remember God wants to do something amazing through your, in your life, in you and through you. You just got to get out of the way and let him be the star. Let's pray. At the same time as we're praying today, we're going to pray over communion. Father, we are so thankful that you choose to use us, to work in us and through us, God. And I just I thank you for the people here and the amazing things, the extraordinary things you're going to do in their lives. You're going to do in the rest of the year in 2021 and 2022 in this church, in this community, God. We are ready to step out and find out what you are calling us to. God, we also just want to come to this time to remember Jesus, that Jesus makes all this possible. So as we take communion today, Father, we want to remember what Jesus said uh, you know, with his disciples on the last night, that he was leaving, but he would return someday. That continue to remember him, continue to celebrate him, God. So I, I just want to take this time to remember what this sacrifice of Jesus does for our lives. It gives us hope of a future, hope of eternity, and hope that God will work in our lives. Father, we are so thankful for you because you loved us first. It's in your name we pray. Amen. It's been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. 
Or to find out more information about RSCC, you can always go to the RSCC Family app. Or follow us on any social media platform at RSCC Family. Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.